Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Today, I have on the show Risa Crandall, and I'm thrilled that I have her on the show because she saw on LinkedIn some of the great work we're doing around the best boss ever, and she reached out because it inspired a story about her best boss. These are some of my favorite types of podcasts because somebody's thinking about that person. As soon as they see those words, best boss ever, they're like, oh, I have one of those. So Risa, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Please just give a a 30 second introduction so everybody knows who you are. That's great. Well, thank you for having me, Christine. I'm excited to be here as well. So yes, my name is Risa Crandall. I have been working in the digital marketing and media arena for over 20 years now. And uh, currently I work at a key technologies and I'm just enjoying the, the journey. It's, it's been a fantastic role for me. And it is one environment that has prompted me to think differently, think back to my best boss. And that's why it really sparked when I saw what you were doing. Lovely. So I'm going to dive in. Tell us who is your best boss ever and why? Yeah, great. So my best boss was Barbara Luttrell. What really made her a best boss is that she was someone who was very experienced and had grown up in the industry in a, a kind of a rigid formula as far as how you got started, how you got to the next spot, you know, what you say, what you do, even what you wear. And when I encountered working for her back over 20 years ago, she didn't embrace those things any longer or didn't, now that she was in a much higher leadership role, really decided to kind of think upon, you know, soul search herself to see what really made her successful and what she wanted to share with her kind of new and up and coming teammates. And I was one of them. And she just really was the spark to really enjoying what I do and and being really passionate about my career. That was at the New York Times when we started together. So again, a very formal formal beginning, but she brought that personality and that spark to the role. And again, really encouraged us to be individual and to embrace who we are, which really was a highlight of getting to know her in the early days. So tell me what that was like. So, you know, like, you know, what do you say and what do you wear? And, you know, how does it look when you have a team of people kind of embracing their individuality versus let's say trying to conform? Yeah. And so at that time, it was even more challenging than I feel it is today, because then there was there was a model, right, as far as who would succeed and how you really you know went to market, you know, with a very structured. Now, this is back before everything was so digital. So your presentation, for example, was built for you. There was no flexibility in it. So in order to create, and I remember her bringing me into her office the very first time we were going to go out on the road together. And she was, you know, again, quite senior to me. I was not intimidated by her because she had just this wonderful open nature about her, but we sat down to prep for the meetings. And again, we had this, this set presentation. It was very set. There was no flexibility in it. And when we were walking through it and kind of deciding roles and responsibilities for the share, she said to me, you know, what's really important is to bring your personality to it, Risa. You really want to have the people that we're talking to see the passion, see why we are different, get the words off the page so that it comes to life. And so by bringing your personality to it, you're going to be successful. And then dovetailing with me, 
also a very passionate person, I'm going to take that energy forward as well. I am going to be really highlighting things that I know will spark to these clients. And again, bringing it off the page. And that just gave me that early, the early confidence to do that, to not just follow a script, but bring in the personality, bring in my style. And she always embraced that from that very first time we sat down together and planned for that trip all the way through to the six years that we worked together. That's amazing. So what is your personality? Like, help me out. What do you think you were trying to bring forward that, like, I'm, I'm curious. I can see how it'd be autopilot, right? Those, you know, it'd just be almost like just reading a script and people would go, well, any monkey can read a script, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. I've always had a big personality. I have always had a lot of energy, a lot of passion. I feel that what you do in life, not only in work, you should be passionate about, right? We should embrace what we're doing. It doesn't mean we like to wash the dishes, for example, but just do it with some vim and vigor, you know, just get it done with a positive attitude. So at that time, too, at the New York Times, it was, again, a very traditional environment. And she really embraced having that that spark to the way that we present and connect with clients and go off script and really tell stories and be a rich storyteller about what we could do at the New York Times that would really help pivot their business or give them an additional opportunity to brand and move sales across. So we sat together, we did rehearse it, but in a very loose conversational way. So again, it had it had some breathing space. And we talked about how telling stories is going to connect much better than just following the bullet points on a slide and, and hoping that someone's connecting to it. We really talked about how the storytelling piece of it was something that would be much more successful than what had been done in the past as far as staying to a very strict script. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. I mean, I spent 10 years working on sales transformation. And one of the best things you can do is help people picture value through storytelling. It definitely doesn't conform sometimes because that story has got to be real to you. Sometimes you can't script a story, right? You know, it needs to be coming from the heart. So any other stories about Barbara from that best boss perspective? Yeah. So a few do. One is in particular, we decided to go out to see the Hershey's clients out in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We were granted a meeting, which wasn't easy to get. And we said, we're going to go out there and we had this new solution. It was all about parenting, which of course, Hershey cares a lot about parents. And we said, let's get out there and just, we got to go in person. That was another thing that Barbara really instilled in me is if you can be there in person rather than any other form of communication, you're going to be more successful. So we're going to get in the car and we're going to drive on out there, the three hours, four hour drive. She lived two hours further than I. So she said, but she was a very early morning person like me. That's where we also really synced. So she said, I'm going to drive on over and pick you up. I was living in New York city at the time. I'm going to pick you up at four 30 in the morning. And we're going to drive our way out there to Hershey, Pennsylvania. We're just going to have a grand old time. We're going to have these meetings and we're going to drive on back. I'm going to drop you back off in the city. And then I'm going to head out to all the way in Riverhead, Long Island. And I said, wow, that's a, that's a big day. Like, and I love those kind of days, but I thought, do, would you like me to drive? Is there anything else I could do? Nope. You just come and be ready. So I got up that morning and what I just also marveled at too is in that early hours that she got up to pick me up and go on this journey together, I got in her car and in the cup holder was the hot tea for me because she knew I was a tea drinker and her Diet Coke. And in the cup holder, just sitting there without, without even words, I glanced down at the cup holder and that thoughtfulness to right, to be in her position as an SVP to me being a junior salesperson. And she prepped us for the, you know, having the morning be kind of like our routine, though it was in the car for all this time and be together. It just set the tone. It set the tone that 
it doesn't matter what your level is. We can all do for each other. We can all listen and, and respond to each other and not to titles shouldn't get in our way, right? From just being great human beings. So we set off on that journey and we just, it was like a road trip of joy. It really was talking about what we were going to do in those meetings. And we had a set of like six meetings too, because if you're going to drive all the way out there, she would say, right, we're not going there for one meeting. Absolutely not. And I agree. I'm all about efficiency. And so was she. And so we got out there, got there early. We got ourselves organized. We had already, you know, really prepped on the car ride. And we went into those meetings with our high energy cells, but very prepared of knowing what kind of, what kind of program that we were talking to them about in this parenting category, got through the meetings, got all of their you know feedback about what would make it happen or what would maybe get in the way. And she took copious notes too, even though I was taking notes she was taking notes for a few different things. I said to her in the car right back, how come you were taking notes when I was taking notes? Didn't you trust my note-taking? And she said, no, I completely trust your note-taking, but I might write something down that had a different nuance than you. Or you, I might've caught something that while you were busy writing it down, you didn't catch. And then that way we can compare notes and from there, we can really look and see what this client was all about. So again, not just relying on me to be that person in the center there, but together, it was very, very collaborative. And we came back and we talked to the marketing team the next day, because it was a long day. Um, we discussed what that program was going to look like. And again, we built it together. And then we went back out to Hershey, Pennsylvania, two weeks later, and delivered the program to them, discussed it, made it very conversational, very collaborative, and we got the program. So that that was the kind of spirit that she brought and that I've now been able to bring in my career at this point and stage of my career is roll up your sleeves and get it done. If you, you can help somebody do something or you bring a different perspective or an added perspective, do it because it's only going to make the whole relationship internally even stronger. And then what you're going to deliver to your client. It lives with me all the time because I still am a morning person. Um, and I really understand and embrace, you know, kind of where she was coming from. Another time though was, which is kind of on a different note, we decided to go down to Campbell's down in Camden, New Jersey, we had meetings there, very different, you know, kind of drive, but also kind of got ourselves going. And we got there and we had a series of meetings, but one meeting was falling around just at noon and there was no conference rooms available and the person hadn't planned for a larger room and there was going to be a collection of people. So the person who we were meeting with and said, I'm going to bring the team, but what we're going to do is we're going to meet in the cafeteria. And we thought, okay, that, that sounds fine. You know, it sounds, I'm sure it's a big space because at Campbell's too, based on where they're located, there weren't a lot of convenient places for people to hop out for lunch. So the cafeteria was really the hub. So we said, great. And they shepherded us in there. We got into the cafeteria and it was probably about 1145 for this 12 o'clock meeting. The team gathers, there's about 12 of them. And we sit down at this very long, again, cafeteria style table. And we pull out the flip chart because, again, this is back with flip charts. And we pull out the flip chart. And just as we start to do introductions and, you know, even pull the cover through, everyone from Campbell's comes into that cafeteria for lunch. It's lunch hour. And I will tell you exactly. <laughs> I will tell you, Christine, it was the loudest environment. Right. I could ever imagine everything from the people, the talking, the clanking of the trays, the clanking of the plates. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I thought, how are we ever going to have this conversation? And again, this is 12 people. So they're sitting far away from us just logistically. 
How are we? You barely hear hear each other. Yeah. If you were screaming, but then you're trying to have a conversation with all 12. (laughs) That's right. And so we kind of gave each other this look as if to say, we're just going to dive in and we're going to project and we're going to bring our high energy. But I could tell the look was also saying, I'm here for you. So your your literally voice is going to get tired trying to do this for a full half hour. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to make sure that we dovetail this together and that we're successful. I could just tell in the look what she was thinking. I could read her thought bubble. And so I launched in and flipped over that, that first slide of the flip chart and did my best to project over all this crazy noise. And then a few of the, the clients kind of remarked that it was loud. And I said, you know, yes, it is, but we're going to do our best. And if you really can't hear us, please, you know, just go like this time out and we'll do our best to kind of even project further. But she just, she could see where I could bring that forward and then needed to pause a little bit. And then she came in. So it became this beautiful, fluid tag teaming that was very effective for many reasons, but very effective given this challenging circumstance of presenting in this very loud environment. And then when we left the meeting and the, one of the clients brought us back out to the reception area said, I don't know how you did that, but I, I was sitting all the way at the far end and I could hear you and you were clear and you kept your energy strong and you didn't get flustered. You didn't you didn't waver at all. You both just went in with the same passion that you would have if we were in a quiet conference room on the fourth floor. So I love this because one of the things that I think is a really interesting nuance, well, first of all, it's a great story. It is hard to pivot that quickly on a dime. I know I've been there <laughs> and uh, I've presented in, you know, in cafeteria spaces before, so I can really understand that. But you know, what I think is really interesting is in the first story, I hear this example of where She's spending all this time in the car driving with you. And I'm immediately thinking in the back of my head, full transparency, I'm thinking, oh, I'm the one that drives to the meeting alone because I want the alone time. I want to listen to the podcast. And if I don't have to teach anybody else, I'm thinking in the back of my head, it's my time (laughs) where she took that time. And instead, she was coaching you and getting to know you and building rapport with you. And then in the second example, what happens is now you two are looking at each other and you're communicating with no words. And so you're actually able as a team to tag team each other. And I'm just imagining all those hours of getting to know each other, driving together, spending time together. You got to a point where you could anticipate each other. That's right. And that's a cool relationship that we don't get. Cause, and especially I think it's harder today even because we're working remote. So like, how do you get to a point where you can you know what's coming next. Most of us only can do that with our partners or our family members, right? But when work environments, like when you know that person is, you know, you you just make an eye contact and it's like, okay, I'm going to throw you the ball. You're going to throw me the ball. We got this. We're going to, you know, and you're saying all of that without a word. Amazing. It, it really is interesting. And especially in our Zoom life too, it does, because you don't have the body language necessarily to see um, with your colleagues. So, you know, with each of the members of the Aki team that I work with, and there's about 25 different salespeople. And in my role, I'm with them very often and supporting them. And so we, each relationship is different. I know where Caitlin's going to come in. I know differently where Christine is going to bring a certain example to life. I know where Mary Beth is going to, or Amber. So we've got, it's about frequency too, right? Being able to trust each other and having that frequency of cadence to know this is an opportunity that I can pop in. Or even sometimes we might even be a little bit more overt about it. And just the other day on a call with Amber, she said to me, Risa, could you pull up that example? 
And so while she's continuing to talk, I'm pulling up the example that we know will really lock this meeting into a great place. While she's talking, we switch to my screen share, and then I can show it right on the spot. So it's that unverbal piece of it, but then also just being comfortable saying, could you pull that up so that we're really efficient with a client so that they don't feel like they, they're still wondering about something, that we can really close that conversation in a positive way. And all of those skills really came from what I learned so early on with Barbara to just be collaborative, to be cooperative, to help each other out. And you're always going to be more successful when you can add one plus one equals six versus, you know, anybody feeling that they're kind of on an island on their own. So I truly embrace that in my my role now. And I bring so much of what she taught me to my work every day. Oh, that's so cool. Any other stories or examples you want to add here before I dive into any last questions for you? Yeah. I mean, the one other that I can remember is while we were at the New York Times, she got very, she was very into golf and I am not a golfer. I love mini golf, but I do not like regular golf. And so she found this opportunity for us to spot as a company to sponsor the LPGA. Barbara is also very passionate about women and women in sports and women in, in industry, just elevating women, which I also really appreciated. And coming from the New York times, which was at that time, and you know, just a very male dominated organization. And so she found this opportunity for us to sponsor as a company to sponsor the LPGA and kind of dive in. We had never done any sports marketing. I had never done any sports marketing before. And when it was first presented to the sales team, I remember thinking, how does, what does this have to do with what we do? You know, this is very different. Uh, we, we are not adept at this. We're going to really need to learn. And when I asked her about it, she said, you, we just have to dive in. We're going to learn as we go. We're going to learn together and we're going to get there. And then I feel comfortable. There, there really aren't any major mistakes if you have people there to support you. And we went out there and spoke to brands about sponsoring this LPGA event that we had. And we were very successful very quickly in kind of round one. And we decided to keep it a little bit more tight as far as the number of sponsors, not to overextend ourselves. And that was her guidance as well. And then when we hosted the event and we were up in Stratton Mountain, Vermont, and we were all kind of taking a bit of a deep breath that we had done it. And it was successful. And I said to her, how did you know this was going to really come together like this? Because this was so different than anything we had ever done. She said, it's, it's really just about power of positive thinking. I just knew we could do it. And it just stayed with me that we had pulled off something that really, I don't think anybody expected us to be able to do. Now here were clients that we were able to spend time with again on that relationship building in a very authentic way that went on for years. And it was just just truly gave me that understanding that anything is possible if you really put your mind to it. And if you're also nimble and flexible, that there's not only one way, right? You might need to take a little bit of a, a detour over to the left and be open to that and be open to change. And it really made a big difference in everything that I have been able to do on the digital side, because digital is a lot about, you know, thinking one and then kind of pivoting as you go. Brilliant. And so when you think of the impact to the business when you work for a best boss ever. So in my world, obviously, I'm asking companies to invest in these leaders to help them be best bosses. And the question always comes up, what's the return on investment, Christine? Why would I spend money on this? So tell me, like, what do you think the impact to the business was by working with somebody like Barbara? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest positive things that came from her approach was loyalty. The staff did not change over. And we all know 
If you have talented people, you want them to stay. You also want them to be fulfilled and grow and stay with the organization, not only because they're loyal, but because they're getting new career challenges. But her approach brought loyalty. There were many opportunities, especially in that early and mid part of my time at the New York Times, where I was heavily recruited. And I didn't go because I knew that I the grass was right there and green, and it was not going to be greener for me somewhere else. And so I appreciated the environment I had. I appreciated the, the work that I got to do and the relationship with somebody like her that I could continue learning from. So it's really about keeping people motivated, keeping people on the team, and really just having also lifelong mentors and friends in the industry that even once we both went separate ways at different companies, we've kept in touch. Um, and unfortunately she passed last year and it brought back a whole flood of different emotions for me. I had gone to see her about six years ago. She was living in Sedona and I was so glad that I did, but she is with me every day and that's the kind of impact she hoped to have. And it, it is. So having that kind of relationship with people and putting that effort in is a lifetime proposition. And, and that's really where the reward is. Amazing. Amazing. And I, I like to say, to me, this is kind of the butterfly effect of great leaders because the, as they influence lots of people that work for them, those people go on to be better leaders as a result. And so I'm really passionate about this idea that it's really not just about the thing that you're doing that day. Did you win the Hershey's business or not? It really is not about that. It's about, you know, leaders influence to their surprise, you know, hundreds of people through the influence that they've had. A great leader, especially. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and a not so great leader can influence those people, right? Because, you know, you can really make somebody feel awful and, you know, that passes along in, you know, what they think leadership is. That's right. And she really inspired us to be ourselves, to be who you are, be authentic. And it's going to come through in your work and in your life. And that was just really valuable. And I, I bring that to my team. I bring that to myself every day. I really try to think through that, you know, be myself. And I will say the pandemic has also helped with that because being Zoom wise versus in person allows you even a little bit more latitude to have your personality shine right through that screen. Let people see your green kitchen. You know, people kind of have a little window into your life, which they didn't always have. And I think those are really important things too. And so just as a kind of counterbalance, when you think of a leader that did not possess all the genius that Barbara did, tell me a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, it just felt confining. It felt that I, there was this model that you needed to follow or not. It was really, it was black or white. And I didn't fit into this person's model of how to be a sales leader, how to fit into the organization. And unfortunately she did nothing to help it. She really, it was just, you know, kind of her way or the highway. Um, and I tried to learn and adapt a bit. And then that came to a point where I realized it's just not the right fit for me. Right? There was just too much adaptation that would have happened. And then I would lose myself and I didn't want to do that. So, and I did reach out to Barbara during that time and asked for advice. And she said, it's not the place for you. You got to go. And that's brilliant because again, you know, I think we don't talk about this, but I, I'm a big advocate also on mental health. And when you're trying to use a lot of your mental, emotional real estate to conform into a box that doesn't quite fit, it's quite exhausting. And it, it limits performance, right? We never get the best performance out of people, but it's also can be very stressful and very exhausting. It can turn into health problems and mental health problems. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't your place, but it's just too bad that that leader couldn't have made room for you. 
Yeah, exactly. And when it was really just a difficult time there, I went to speak to some other leaders in the organization to just ask for their advice. What should I do? And one, I thought very wise woman who said, you know, we really wanted you here at this company, but I think we're not ready for you. So I don't know that we will be, but she also didn't know me as well, but just cared and could see the emotional strain it was taking on me. And that was her way of saying, you you should go find something that makes you happy and that will be ready for you right now, or maybe, you know, six months, but you know, this is a big organization that's, that's, it's going to take a while and may never happen. So it was the kind of the vibe I got. I remember feeling a little disappointed, but you can't, you can't make that kind of change organizationally as one individual. And that's really what she was saying to me too, is, you know, go be free, go do what you do. I wish we could value you and we do value you, but I wish we could tap into you and, and really, but it's just not, it's just not our time. And I thought, oh, well, that's also a great leader too. Someone who could tell you that honestly and let great talent go because it's just, it, the synergy is not there. I mean, I had a very similar exit in at one point in my career. And to be honest, it's so funny. I kind of joked that they used to kind of hit me and say, get back in the box, get back in the box. And then I left and started my own business. And now I get paid very well to be out of the box. <laughs> and so it, it is just one of those, like, you know, if you don't get too personally attached to why don't I fit? Why don't I fit? There can be such a much better road ahead, but it is, it's, it's a feeling of rejection regardless of, you know, we all just feel that, right? We want to fit in and we don't want to be the one that can't fit in. That's right. And that's exactly how I felt. But then once I moved on, I was happy again. And, and my skill set and my personality was fully embraced. And, you know, it, it, it really took, you know, a few different folks to kind of have conversations with me so that I could feel comfortable with making that change and kind of controlling my destiny a little bit more than I had been during that time. And again, it, a lot of it really comes down to Barbara. And when we did get a chance to see her in Sedona, my, with my full family, my husband and my three kids. And as we were leaving dinner, we sat by the Red Rocks and just had this fantastic dinner. My children said to me, as we walked to the car in the parking lot, she's so you and you're so her. And that just gave me the most amount of joy because to be anywhere near what, what Barbara is about just that just touched my heart. That's beautiful. What a beautiful thing to hear. If your children see you as <laughs> being as much as this uh, lovely mentor was and somebody you aspired to be like, that's, you know, you made it. <laughs> I really did. I felt like now my wings were, you know, ready to even fly and soar higher. And then when she did pass and I said, you know, she set me up to be who I can be. And while I miss her, she gave me all that, you know, confidence and gave me that ability to, to embrace who I am and to be successful and to be positive and bring that to, again, life and work. So that was a wonderful experience to go through. And I'm just so appreciative that I had a chance to do that and have my kids see that too, that that's what they should aspire to in their work as well as people around them that are going to be positive forces in their career and really give them those advice pieces and to support them and just give them the positive energy that's going to make them succeed in life. Well, listen, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story. If you have any final words of wisdom for leaders who are out there and they're trying to aspire to be a best boss, please share them, but this has been lovely. Yeah. I would just say as my parting words is to just get to know people and 
give them that breathing room, let them be who they are. They can be valuable members of your organization if they have their personality and they have their style and you could support that. And it's a complimentary, you know, your style and their style as a boss is a compliment to each other. They don't need to be the same. They should be complimentary to each other. And then everybody's going to enjoy and feel very natural in what they do. Thank you so much, Risa. Thank you, Christine. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.